I'm on now. There we go. Hey, what's up, everyone? How's it going? Good. Good. Well, I'm glad you guys are all here tonight. Um, I hope that the last series we did was helpful for you. It was real helpful for me. I hope that Challenge has been helpful for you. You know, Challenge had a huge impact on my life. You know, a lot of you know my story. I became a Christian through Christian Challenge. Uh, one of the biggest reasons Challenge was so helpful for me was the staff. Um, you know, the staff, they really took a personal interest in me. Uh, they really helped me to grow. You know, I'm the man I am today because of the staff members. But when I was a student, I think I had this image in my head that the staff were, like, super Christians. Have any of you felt like that? It just seems to me like walking with God for them was just so easy. They were always on top of everything. They never did anything wrong. And to illustrate, I thought of this, this funny example. Uh, I think for a small bit of time, I thought Neil might have been God. Now, <laughs> let me explain. Now, I wasn't bowing down to Neil or anything, but I remember one time walking to campus, and I had this issue that I was <laughs> it's true. I had this issue I was dealing with. And, and I was just like thinking, okay, how am I going to explain this to Neil? How am I going to phrase this to Neil? What would, you know, and I was just thinking, thinking, I was like, wait a minute, I'm like praying to Neil. I, I should be talking to God about this. Um, so, but I, I just looked up to the staff so much and for good reason. I mean, they were really walking with God. They, they were more mature than me. So I really looked up to them, but I think I had this image in my mind that they were like just the perfect Christians. And then I joined staff. <laughs> I learned a lot of things very quickly. Um, no, I think the truth is, if you really start to talk to the staff, if you, if you get to know our stories, you'll find that we are not perfect. We, we struggle with things. And I think you would find that we struggle with things that you all struggle with. I mean, we're human, too. Um, you know, we're on this journey of walking with God together. I think the big difference, though, is that we've had more time to kind of wrestle with these issues, to, to process them. And we've developed this habit of going to the scriptures and responding to what, what the Bible has to say. And so we've matured in these areas, and God has really helped us grow, and we've, we're just a, fur, fur, a little further down the road than you. Um, so, you know, we're starting a new series, um, and it's going to be called Don't Let This Happen to You. <laughs> so we're going to be, as a staff, we're going to be sharing some mistakes we've made, some things we struggle with, struggled with in the past, currently struggling with. Um, you know, when I was a student, it was just really helpful for me to hear from someone who was more experienced than I was, someone who was more mature than me, just how they were dealing with struggles in their life, how they kind of went through that. That was just life-giving to me. It gave me, you know, a lot of hope. You know, not only are they struggling, like they're not perfect, they understand kind of what I'm going through. I'm not alone. But they've also seen God come through. And, you know, as they've responded to the word, as they've explored the scriptures, God has really helped them to make progress in some of these struggles that they're facing. So the heart of this message is, this would kind of pull back the curtain, if you will, and show us, kind of show you all how we have dealt with some of the, the harder things in our lives and the struggles that we have. You know, there are, there are two ways to learn. You can either go through something yourself and experience it and go through all the pain, or you can learn from the pain of someone else. So <laughs> hopefully you learn from some of our pain and some of our struggles in this series. And what I want to talk to you tonight uh, is serving. I, I struggle with serving. And I think for the longest time, I, I, I thought that was impossible. There, there was no way that I struggled with serving because I was just looking at all the different things I did. I mean, when I was a student, I was on the ministry team, the worship team, the setup team. Now I've graduated. You know, I'm on staff. I'm volunteering. I'm not getting paid for this. I'm on the band at church. I'm just doing all these things, all these things. And so I would come across verses in the Bible about serving. I'd be like, oh, I got this. I am serving. Maybe this is the one thing I'm doing right, but I'm serving. 
But I think what I'm learning and what I'm finding out is, you know, there are two sides to serving. There's the outside, all the stuff we're doing, but then there's the inside as well, why we're serving, the motive behind it, the attitude we have while we serve. So Jesus in Luke 17, he shares with us this short little parable that gives us a good picture of what real serving actually looks like, what the real attitude should be behind it. And he says, Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at the table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. You see, when we serve, we ought to do it without the expectation of thanks, without the expectation of getting service in return. We ought to serve because that's just what Christians do. It is our duty to serve. Jesus himself was a servant, and we are called to act like Jesus. In fact, as Christians, we're designed to serve. And as I thought through it, I realized this was not the typical attitude I had when I was serving. And I would imagine if you were honest with yourselves, you you would say the same. I mean, have you ever done something nice for someone and then developed the expectation that they would return the favor later and then they didn't? You got really frustrated? Maybe you have a problem with serving too. Have you ever found it easier to serve when people are looking and when no one's around, you don't do anything? Maybe you struggle with serving. Have you ever gotten frustrated when someone else gets credit for something that you did? Maybe you struggle with serving. I think often when we serve, we do it in such a way that sets up a debt-debtor relationship. You know, I will serve you, and now you owe me. Now, whether that's praise, a favor, thanks, whatever it is, we are serving so that we get owed something by the other person. And if the cost is too great and it's not worth it to us, we don't do it. And I think we even do this with God. I mean, have you ever prayed something like this, God? I'm doing all this stuff. Why haven't you given me an internship yet? Why don't I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Why don't I have what I want? God, I'm doing all this stuff for you. Essentially, what we're saying is, God, you owe me. But if you actually think about it, there's no way that can be true. I mean, God doesn't owe us anything. Take a look how the Bible describes it in Acts 17. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. In fact, we owe God everything. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't serve God. Obviously, we serve God. But what it's trying to say is you can never do anything that will ever make God owe you anything. So this, this, this approach of trying to serve so that we can make other people indebted to us is just the wrong way to go. And I would argue if we're serving like this, we're not even serving at all. That's manipulation. You're doing something so that someone else will give you something in return. And if you're not careful, there are consequences. And I've experienced that. Um, When I was a junior here at USC, I moved into my first apartment that was not part of USC housing. And so I had to sadly say goodbye to my meal plan. Um, (laughs) And so I had my first run in with my mortal enemy, Dirty Dishes. There's a lot of dishes, and I had one roommate, and there just always seemed like there were dishes to wash. And I washed the dishes at first, and I was trying to help out. But then the enemy started putting these little lies in my head uh, when I noticed that my roommate was not washing back, like, oh, I deserve some praise. I'm doing all the work around here. Oh, he's taking advantage of me. And, you know, rather than resist and replace these thoughts like we talked about last week, I just 
fed them and kept thinking them, thinking and thinking them, because he never washed the dishes. And I just grew frustrated and bitter and resentful. And he was one of my good friends, but there was just this wedge driven in the relationship because of a few dirty dishes, because I was serving not just to serve and, and help him out, because I was serving to try to get something out of him. But I thought, that's fine. The next year, I was moving to Bonsalo, and they're Christian. My roommate wasn't a Christian. They're Christian. They, they'll probably always wash their dishes. <laughs> Bonsalo is just solid. <laughs> and I quickly learned that that was not the case. And the same thing happened again. I was living with some of my closest friends, and every day I would walk into the kitchen and be like, there are those freaking dishes again. <sighs> that's OK. I just lived there for two years, just two years of bitterness. That's not too bad. We graduated. We're adults now. We have jobs. And I moved in with some of them. And there were still dirty dishes. And I thought to myself, I am horrible at picking roommates. <laughs> but then God connected two verses in my mind. The first verse is 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. That's actually the first verse I ever memorized. Um, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Again, you see there, the attitude toward serving should be not for ourselves. It's really to give glory to God and extend grace to other people. And God connected that verse in my mind to this verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness brings up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. You see, by serving with the wrong motives, by actually manipulating and trying to get what I wanted out of people by serving them and, and acting like I was serving them, I was failing to extend grace to them, the grace that First Peter talks about, and I just was filled with all this bitterness. I was not looking to bless others with my service. I just wanted something for myself, recognition, praise, service back. And then that bitterness just really impacted my relationship. It defiled some of them. And I don't want that to happen to you. So tonight I just want to share with you some verses that really helped me get the perspective back, kind of figure out where I was off, and kind of get me back on track with, with serving and serving with the right attitude. And for me, Jesus' example was extremely helpful. Again, I said in the beginning, Jesus was a servant. And we see in Philippians chapter 2, there's this poetic description of, of how Jesus was a servant and what that actually looked like and how significant that was. So we start in verse, we're going to start in verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you... Oh, sorry, go back. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Again, we see here the attitude we should have while serving is not, should not be a selfish thing. It should not be something to make us look good. It should be something that we humbly do, looking to the interests of others. And we should do it because that's how Jesus approached his life. And we go on and we see just how significant that was in verse 6. Who, being Jesus... Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Now, that's, in verse 6 there, that's kind of a tricky phrase, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What that means is Jesus did not use the fact that he was God to his advantage. Now, take a step back. Imagine if you were God, if you can. You have all the power in the universe. You can do anything you want. I, no, there is no one above you. You can do whatever you want, and you have the right for everyone to, to serve you all the time, and you come home and see dishes. What would you do? Would you use that to your advantage? I think I would say, oh, 
well, I'm too busy running the universe and keeping everyone alive. I think someone else can wash these dishes. That's what I would do. But that's not what Jesus did. Look what Jesus did. He emptied himself. He gave up his right as God to have all other people serve him, and he became a servant himself. You know, Jesus could have come to earth as anything he wanted. He could have been a wealthy ruler, a powerful warrior, but Jesus says, no, I will be a humble servant. I think that shows a lot about what God is like, doesn't it? And it also shows us, I think, that no one is above serving. I mean, if God himself comes as a servant, we all should serve, not with the expectation of gaining anything for ourselves, but just to serve. And then verse 8 pushes it even further. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, no task was beneath Jesus. Nothing was out of bounds. There's no cost too great. He served. It cost him everything, yet he still served because that's who Jesus was. And there are plenty of examples of, uh, in the, captured in the gospel of what this actually looked like. And I find it very helpful to, when you come across verses like this in the New Testament that talk about what Jesus was like, to go back to the gospel and see, okay, where does this show up? What does this actually look like? And so to, to do that, we're going to take a look at John 13. And let's take a look and see if we can see how Philippians 2 is reflected in this story in John chapter 13, which is one of the more famous stories of Jesus serving as Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And we can't skip over these verses. These verses set up the entire scene for us. Verses 1 through 3. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to, out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, we're going to pause there. First thing we notice, this is Jesus' last moments on earth before he's arrested, uh, tried, tortured, and crucified. What is he going to choose to do with his last few hours? Well, we know he's going to wash his disciples' feet. He's going to choose to serve. Isn't that an amazing thing? I, I have trouble on Sunday night, my last few hours before work, looking to serve. Jesus, his last few hours before being crucified, decides to serve because that's what was really important to him. Another thing you notice in this, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You see, love is a prerequisite for serving. If you're not loving the people you're trying to serve, you're not really going to serve them because you don't have their best interests in heart. You probably have your own interests at heart. Jesus loved these people. He loved them to the end. He loved them as much as you can love someone. And then notice what it says about Judas. Jesus already knows that Judas is about to betray him. So while loving the person is a prerequisite, being loved back is not. Jesus still serves Judas. Again, because Jesus is serving not so that he gets love or anything in return. He is serving because that's who he was. He was and is a servant. And the last thing, you see, the text makes it very, very clear that Jesus is God. He had come from God and was going back to God. So that there's no mistake that this is just an incredible fact that God is about to wash them feet. And that's what he does. In verses 4 through 5, Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And you notice some things. First of all, he's washing feet. And this time, all the roads are, are dusty. 
They have sandals, so these feet are pretty dirty feet. And this is the job just for the lowest of society, but here is God himself washing the feet. You also notice he doesn't complain. He's not like, hey, Matthew, next time don't walk in the mud, please. Like, <laughs> he, doesn't, you know, he, he even washes Judas's feet. I mean, he's not like, I'm going to skip you know, your, your toenails because you're about to betray me. No, he washes their feet, and that's it. <laughs> you know, he emptied himself and took the form of a servant. He humbly considered them more significant than he was. That's just who he was. Verse 6, there's this exchange between Peter and Jesus. And you can just see Peter is thinking the other way around. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. You see, Peter doesn't understand. Jesus even says it. Peter's still thinking the other way around. You're God. You shouldn't be. If anything, I should be washing your feet. But that's not what Jesus was like. He was a servant. No matter the cost, no matter how disgusting it was, he served because that's who he was. He was looking out for the interests of others, not, not for selfish ambition, not out of conceit, because he really loved them. And then in verses 13, to 13 and, and I think to 17, Jesus says this, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You see, if Jesus was able to serve like this, we ought to do the same. We're not above Jesus. We, we, we ought to do the exact same thing. He did not use the fact that he was God to his advantage. He served, and we should not use whatever position we have, whatever status we have, whatever prejudices we have, whatever it may be to our advantage. Rather, we should serve just like that, and there is real blessing in that. And I've seen it. And now we come to the conclusion of Eric and the dishes. So it's halfway through my second semester on staff. And I've developed this nice little routine for myself. Again, you know, I I do staff probably about 15 hours a week, work 40, 45 hours a week. So that time home is very valuable to me. And I have this nice little routine. I would get home, make some food, eat it while watching TV or something, wash my dishes, keyword, my dishes. (laughs) Then go sit and read, read for a little bit, then go to bed and do it all over again. And this is in the midst now of my just bitterness and frustration um, with one of my roommates for never washing his dishes. And I, I was pretty bitter. I, I had this fantasy in my mind of, one day I'm going to come home, I'm going to take all his dishes, I'm going to throw them in his bed. <laughs> I can't ignore him if, he's in his be- if they're in his bed. Now, I'm thankful that I did not do that, because when he got married, he got a new bed, and he gave me his bed. <laughs> so it's a good thing that I did not do that. Um, but I was just really frustrated. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's real life. I'm not making this up. It's not pretty, but it's what I was thinking. But I was also thinking about these verses. And one day I get home, make my food, start eating it, wash my dish. And then God starts talking. He's like, hey, I have a fun idea. Why don't you wash his dishes too? I said, God, I don't think you understand. I don't have that much time. You know, I'm doing all this challenge stuff for you. This is my time to relax. And God's like, oh, it's it's not going to take too long. Just do it. Fine. took like five minutes. But I washed them. I didn't have the best attitude. I was frustrated. I was like, mm, you know, but I washed them. 
Then I go and I'm sitting and I'm reading, but I'm very excited for when my roommate comes home. Because I have this fantasy just bubbling in my mind of he's going to come home, he's going to walk into the kitchen, and his jaw is just going to drop to the floor. <laughs> Eric, you are the greatest roommate who's ever lived. <laughs> From henceforth, I will wash all your dishes, all my dishes. Any dish I see, I'll just wash it, you know. Heavens would part, this is my son, whom I'm well pleased. Um, I have this image in my mind of what's going to happen. Then he comes home, and I kind of sit up in my chair. He walks into the, uh, the kitchen, puts his dishes in the sink, goes to bed without saying a word. And I think, well, that's the end of that. <laughs> Told you, God. Next day comes, I go into my routine, I make dinner, wash my dishes. God's like, hey, I have a fun idea. Why don't you wash his dishes again? I say, God, I don't think you remember what happened yesterday. Um, he did not thank me. He has no desire to do anything in return. Not, I'm making it sound like he doesn't do anything. This is one of my best friends. Um, he's an awesome person. He just didn't wash his dishes. So, um, I'm like, God, I, how, how will he ever learn if I just wash all his dishes all the time? How will he learn? And God's like, well, maybe he's just been busy and you can really help him out. But God, he's never washed my dishes. Well, what better way to develop a servant's heart? So I wash his dishes again. He comes home, puts his dishes in the sink, goes to bed without saying a word. Third night, same thing happens again. I have my little debate with God. I end up washing the dishes. He comes home, puts his dishes in the sink, does not say another word. But there were a lot more words said that night between me and God. And I prayed for a long time that night. And at the end of it, I wrote something in my journal that I want to read to you all. If I can find it. I had to comb through these journals to find this. I wrote, I've been frustrated with my roommate, in particular about dishes. <laughs> Over the past few days, God has impressed on me that it is an act of love to wash his dishes without expectation of praise. Today, God took it further and told me that my goal should be to meet as many needs of my roommates as I can, regardless of the cost to me. So I will wash the dishes and straighten up the main room uh, nights when I'm not on campus too late. And later I ended up saying, okay, I'll do it every night. This is a great way to be able to serve my roommate and put into practice a servant's heart. And that's what I did. I washed the dishes, like I said, every single night. Now, it wasn't always pretty. Um, there were a lot of times when I was grumbling and, and just like, why aren't, why aren't you just using one pan? Why didn't you rinse out this bowl? <laughs> And then I remembered that a little later in Philippians 2, it says, do all things without grumbling and complaining, in verse 14. It's kind of interesting how that's right after the service part. Um, and so I, I just had this, it was like a daily battle every day to, to, to walk in there and wash these dishes for like 10 minutes. And it was just like this huge struggle. But over time, I, I really started realizing what Jesus meant when he said, bless are you if you do them. Because I started noticing the bitterness started slowly going away. And I actually eventually started looking forward to washing dishes. Um, because for the first time, I was doing it just to love my roommate and for no other reason. There was no one watching. There was no one thanking me. I mean, he thanked me a couple times, but there, there was no one around. It was just me and, me and Jesus washing these dishes. And I, I realized that I was feeling this joy and this, this peace because I was doing what I was always designed to do. We as Christians are designed to serve. It's what Jesus did. It's what we're called to do. And, you know, as, as I did that, I just really experienced that blessing. It wasn't in any praise. It wasn't in any thanks. 
Um, it wasn't in anything returned to me, but it just felt really good to love him and serve him in that way. And now I try to wash dishes whenever I can. I'm not perfect on this, but um, I, whenever I see dishes, I'm just reminded of, of this, and I'm reminded of Jesus' example of how he serves us. And, and I'm seeing this cross over into other areas of my life, too, and I still struggle with this. You know, I still struggle with my attitude while serving, but, you know, as I've responded to the word, you know, as I've really taken Jesus' example seriously, I, I've seen progress in my life. And so tonight, I don't have this long list of application uh, for you. I, I, the only thing I would say is follow Jesus' example and start looking to serve, for real. Not manipulating, not expecting anything in return, just serve because you love the other person. Just serve to extend grace to them. Just serve because that's what Jesus did for you. You know, start looking to meet the needs of others without any expectation of return, no matter the cost. Just serve. Now, I know in this room, many of you are roommates. So you're going to have to run home to see who washes the dishes tonight. You know, but I'm serious. You know, just try Just start identifying areas in your life where you have this attitude, where you're doing things, and on the outside, it looks like you're serving, but on the inside, you're not. You're manipulating. You're doing this for selfish reasons to get something out of it. Now, I want to make a note here. It, it's, it's near impossible to do things with totally perfect motives. Um, you know, we still have sinful thoughts. Um, we still have a ways to go to maturity. One thing that's been really helpful for me in this is I've just developed the, uh, the habit of, of praying when I'm entering a situation where I know I'm going to be tempted to serve for the wrong reasons. And I, and I just pray something like this. God, would you just help me in this situation to, to really just love this person or this organization or whatever I'm doing and, and really do this out of love for them, not out of something for myself. I know I'm going to be tempted to do this for my own benefit or to look good, but please just help me to do it for you. And, that, and that's really helped. It's kind of like allowed me to pause and, and get my motives as, as straight as I can get them. So I would encourage you to do the same. Now, at this point, you may be thinking to yourself, okay, this sounds great. I'll serve fine, but what about my needs? If I'm serving the whole time, who's going to be meeting my needs? If I really do this like Jesus did, am I going to be hung out to dry? Well, you know, I think if you're really going at this with the perspective that Jesus then yes, sometimes you will be hung out to dry. That's just how it is. Sometimes you will not get served back. Sometimes you may have to spend a little extra time and doing, meeting your own needs. Um, sometimes it's just your duty to serve and trust God to, to take care of you and do the rest. But I want to go back to Philippians chapter 2, and I want to go to the beginning of the chapter because there's a context to this whole passage about serving. It's actually an appeal to unity. That's not Philippians 2. That's a very nice song, though. Here we go. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, and then it goes on, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. So you see what it sees there? If, if you are encouraged by Christ's example, you know, if, if you are get comfort from his love, you know, we should have the same love. We should be this, have the same mind as Christ. You know, we're called to do this as a group. This isn't something we're supposed to do alone. As a group, we're all called to serve each other together. So as I'm working to serve you and get uh, your best interests accomplished, you're doing the same for me. And it makes serving a lot easier when we do it in, in unison. Just the other day, I was actually at Bonsalo, and they were washing the dishes together. I was like, wow, you guys are further along than I was. <laughs> but it just made it a lot easier. So just imagine for a moment 
what would challenge look like if we all did this? If we all acted like Jesus did, if we all served like him, again, not with the expectation to get anything in return, but just because we love each other, what do you think our group would look like? I mean, I think we're, we're heading in the right direction. I think a lot of us are making progress in that, but wouldn't this just be such an amazing community to be a part of? Now, let's take it one step further. Now, we learned a couple weeks ago when the traveling team was here that God's heart is for the entire world, and God is always thinking of the bigger picture. So Jesus, after he washes the disciples' feet, they're leaving dinner. Judas has gone off to betray him, and he says this to the remaining disciples. In John 13, 34, 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, Jesus wants this act of serving to be what marks his followers. So then when other people see us serving and loving each other and loving them, they think, oh, they must follow Jesus. And there's something really attractive about a group of people that pull together, really serve each other and love each other, not manipulating each other. That's not what we're trying to do, but really serve each other. People take notice, and we have the opportunity to show people what Jesus is really like by how we interact with each other here in Challenge and here in your classes and, and wherever you go, you have an opportunity to show people that your Savior is a servant, and because of that, you're going to serve other people too. It's a great opportunity we all have. So stop manipulating. Start serving. You know, manipulation, manipulation that only leads to bitterness, frustration. I don't want that to happen to you because it's not fun when you're there. Rather, look to serve as Jesus served. You know, there's real blessing and joy in that, not only for yourself, but for the others around in this community and for the, all the other people we encounter too. And it's an amazing opportunity we have that Christ has given us um, through his example. So let me pray for us, and we'll welcome the band back up. Jesus, thank you that you're a servant. Thank you that you served us by uh, dying on the cross for us, giving up your life for us. And God, I pray that we would really be encouraged by your example. I pray that we would um, have the same love, the same mind that you had. And please help us with that, because we need help on that. So God, I pray for each and every one of us in this room that you would bring into mind just one example of an error where we can put this into practice, one example where we can serve others as you served us. And Lord, I, help, I pray that you would just help us identify when we're manipulating and not serve, serving. And I pray, God, that um, you know, other people would see that and uh, be reminded of you and what you're like. Thank you that you are a servant, and thank you that you love us. We love you and praise you in your name. Amen.